Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. God bless you, get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has been very busy uh, from vote by mail and early voting legislation to money to help nonprofits, holding the Bureau of Prisons accountable, uh, skills training for workers, uh, and even the Uber Grubhub merger. She's been quite busy. Uh, and also very busy lately for another reason. She's gone viral in a conversation. We'll get to all of that. The gentlelady from the great state of Minnesota joins us now, Senator Amy Klobuchar. Senator, uh, God bless you and welcome back to Make It Plain. How are you and, and how's your husband's recovery from COVID? Uh, he is doing so much better, Mark. He, uh, you know, it was scary like it is for so many people right now everyone knows someone that got this and you don't know if it's going to be small case or if it's going to be something where they're on a ventilator and he was kind of in between he got really bad pneumonia and he was on oxygen in the hospital and then it took a turn for the better and so i had that same experience that's so hard for so many people where you can't go in you can't hold their hand you got these incredible nurses that are holding up the phone and uh, but now he's out, and uh, we came back to Minnesota, and his last remaining symptom after about a month was that after we went down into the basement, he told me that it had too much dust and that he couldn't clean the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I think that much. So anyway, but now, 
that even has gone away. So he can clean working on that. So he can clean. The yeah. Now, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. so that's how he is. But uh, like I said, uh, it's uh, the one silver lining of me going through it. It was made it easier for me to go up to my colleagues and say, you know, what do you mean you're not going to help these hospitals or we're not going to get this done and explaining what I had personally gone through. Yeah, yeah. Well, glad he's better. Uh, let me just take the opportunity again to thank you for being in Selma with us this year. Seems like eons ago since the yeah. pandemic has hit. But it, it meant a lot for you to, uh, to be there, and, and, and we appreciate you being there. And it obviously ties into your legislation. But, but I want to start with, if we could, what's happening. Um, it, it's been reported that you are part of the formal vetting process for VP. Uh, congratulations. How, how are you feeling about that? Is, is, that, is v, VP well, calling? Is that something you, you, you <laughs> see yourself doing? or? You know, I think actually Vice President Biden was on the Colbert show last night and, you know, he said that that formal vetting process hasn't really started. And I think there's so many rumors going around. And I thought I was glad he said that just because for me, I just think he's the one that's going to put out when there's names that are being vetted. And he's the one uh, that is going to make the decision. And I think that Joe Biden will pick a good vice president, uh, no matter who it is. There's so many well-qualified people. But the point is, he knows what a being a good vice president means. He was a great vice president to Barack Obama. And and that's, I think you got to let him make that decision. And yeah. the last thing I'd say about it is my goal right now is to help him get elected. And right. we need compassion in the White House. And we got this guy that you know, it's on Mother's Day and says Happy Mother's Day, Melania, and then sends out 125 mean tweets. Won't even get us the data on the racial disparities about death and what's happening, how it's hitting our communities of color. Uh, has no compassion for people out there, much less the competence that we need. Think about next year. We're going to have to bring our economy back. We're going to have to, when this vaccine comes out, make sure it gets out there fairly to people across the country. And we're going to have to make sure that we have someone uh, who's compassionate about how they talk to people and talk about people. Yeah. And I think we all know who's going to be better at doing that. And it's not Donald Trump. Uh, uh, speaking of, of that compassion, I, I think it's become less and less a secret how much African-American women are the backbone of the Democratic base, Senator. Uh, mm -hmm. If you were the VP nominee or not, as a woman who, obviously you're a feminist, you're the one who's been saying a woman has been whipping Donald Trump every day. Um, uh, what <laughs> Nancy is Nancy Pelosi? That's that's right. So, what is what would be your message uh, as a woman to African American women uh, to keep them mm -hmm. fully mobilized and engaged in the process? How would you, as a vice president, or even as a as an as an out outspoken surrogate, appeal to the black yeah. women? Well. As I said, I'm not going to go into the vice president issue because there's so many well-qualified women, including women of color. But just as someone who supports Joe Biden and as a U.S. senator, the African-American women have been the backbone of the Democratic Party for a long, long time. Uh, and I think they need some friends in this next election. I think they need people uh, that vote like they do, that vote at a higher percentage, that actually are out there. And then when it comes to policies, this pandemic can't be divorced 
from the inequities we already know exist in our country. And that is, uh, what, what do we see with this pandemic? We see things like, uh, we have states like Louisiana, uh, where the population of African Americans is in the 30s, and yet the death rate, uh, 33%, yet the death rate is 60% of uh, people who have died are African American. In Wisconsin, African Americans make up 32% of the coronavirus deaths, uh, but the group makes up just 6.7% of the population. This is outrageous. And so to me, this just puts a spotlight on what we know is already. What's the solutions? Well, things like Congressman Clymer's bill, 10, 20, 30, pretty simple. 10% of federal funds should go to counties that have 20% for 20, for 20, have 20% or higher poverty people in the county for the last 30 years. Uh, solutions are things like making sure we have training in our maternity wards so that African-American women don't go in there. It's happened in Louisiana uh, in the last year where a woman says, hey, my hands are swollen, something's wrong. And she walks out of there without her baby. Her baby dies because no doctor paid attention to her. Um, it is acknowledging the systemic racism that's in every level of our society and then getting solutions. Yeah. And that's something that I think you would see in a President Biden. Uh, that's something he's devoted his life to. Yeah. And and for the record, just want to mention that you also have signed on to co-sponsor the uh, Senator Booker's uh, reparations legislation. So uh, exactly that, to that, start that commission, as well as the work he's done on the 10, 20, 30. Yes. And um, there's just I mean, we've got to look at this after the last Great Depression. Franklin Roosevelt was a president and they came out of it with some incredible, long lasting changes to our country. Uh, this simple idea that uh, when you have a, a bad thing happen, that you put people to work helping other people. That was at Civilian Conservation Corps, and we could do this again with our existing nonprofits, and that's something where I'm leading. Um, this idea yep. that you have Social Security, that you have unemployment provisions in place to help people when things go bad, that all came out of that disaster. And with a good president, we can do the same thing here. So let's, let's pick up there then. Tell us more about the legislation that would help nonprofits. Sure. This comes out of this idea. We got a bunch of people that are unemployed right now, and then we've got our nonprofits struggling, you know, including uh, some of our religious nonprofits, um, African-American community nonprofits, including places like Habitat for Humanity. And yet they have their missions are more important than ever. And we need to have people uh, that can work there and also can be paid there. And so the idea, just like we have with uh, working on AmeriCorps and some of these other things, the idea is to help boost them up. And uh, that is the bill. And it basically makes sure that they can keep going, kind of like we did with businesses, make sure the nonprofits can keep going and that they can hire people so that they can start tutoring the kids and continue that. Maybe it's virtual, but they can do it building homes to have roofs over people's heads, uh, making sure that groceries are delivered to our seniors and the like. And then the other piece of it is this job training, which I think is a different bill, and that's bipartisan. I think that's pretty exciting that Cory Booker and I are doing with um, uh, Ben Sass and Tim Scott. And uh, that's about making sure there's a tax credit. So if you lose your job, you actually get $4,000 to train for another area because we know there's going to be a changing economy next year mm -hmm. and we want to make sure the people that lose their jobs can get the training in the areas 
where there may be a new job. And that's going to hit hard in our minority communities. And I really, I love this idea and I love that it's bipartisan. My bill that I wrote, I'll, you know, there we go. But uh, the fact (laughs) that we've, (laughs) that I've got. That's an accomplishment unto itself in in, in bipartisanship. Y'all got that right. That's why she said it. So, okay. I got you. So these are all, remember, it's all ideas aimed at next year and going forward because maybe we can pass them now, but it's acknowledging that we have the immediate that Trump screwed up big time, not enough equipment for the hospitals, uh, not enough testing. And then we have the immediate that we can't just let leave people with no unemployment insurance and just out there with no job. But then we have to think to the future, this optimistic vision of where we're going to go next and making sure we acknowledge these systemic inequalities have been there. So let's fix them now. And, and the things you're describing are just, to me, as we look at what other countries have been doing around the world, mm-hmm. are not so far-fetched. This, this mm-hmm. is not, you know, sometimes people call folk on our side of the aisle just, just too idealistic. But what you described is not idealistic. It's actually very practical, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And making sure that people can be trained on jobs. You think way back. I just keep going back uh, to this uh, time when Roosevelt was in, and he once said this, he said uh, that courage is not the absence of fear, because everyone's afraid right now, and people were afraid back then. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's, uh, it is the assessment that there's something greater than fear, mm-hmm. and for me, that's my life's mission, and for a lot of people out there, uh, they know that this is a scary time, either economically or because you know they know their grandma can't go out of the assisted living where she's living, or they can't visit people like they used to. But it's deciding I'm going to either volunteer or I'm going to be patient about the fact that I can't go to my favorite places right now because I don't want to get people sick, or I'm going to make a good gesture. I'm going to call my grandma. I'm going to leave groceries out at a neighbor's. And all of that's got to be part of our psyche right now. And it's something bigger than just these individual programs, which are so important that we've been talking about because the budget reflects the nation's values. But it is also about how we think about our country and the world to bring that pride back. And I, one of the things is I think people have a, that stirring of pride right now. But then they turn to this president that on Mother's Day, you know, goes out and writes a tweet, hey, happy Mother's Day, Melania, and then does 125 mean tweets. That's not a lie for yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we uh, can't uh, have that right now. We not, need not, inspiration. Not to mention, mm-hmm. no one's seen Melania. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying, and and not sure he has recently either, but I'll leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, be, be that as it may, I'm worried. Um, mm-hmm. November. Uh, he's mm-hmm. already acting crazy. We know the funny business mm-hmm. he and Putin are capable of. Uh, where are mm-hmm. we on your legislation? Voting by mail, early voting. It just uh, is. Can we? Is there other things that need to be done to shore that yeah. up? Is that going to happen? Where are we? Well, it starts with this show, your podcast, actually, because people have got to start thinking ahead to get figure out in their states exactly how you get a mail-in ballot. Because every state you could do it, but some of them make you jump through hoops like Alabama. No surprise. Uh, you've got to get a notary or two witnesses to be able to get that ballot. And we hope to change that, but you gotta check the rules in your state. 
mm-hmm. because right now we have some states where five percent of people do it, like New York State. Some people, like in you know California, it's up over yeah, in the 80s, or in Oregon, it's up over 90 percent. So it just varies on state. Um, number two, we got to get money out to the states to make it easier for them to send out postage, and then also uh, to put in place some rules that people have to keep their balloting places open for 20 days ahead, because a lot of people still aren't going to vote by mail. We know that, but we got to make it safer when they vote in person, and that means trying to get them and the states to have early voting go on for a longer period of time. So there's less people congregating at the same time at the polls. And then, of course, the day of the election, making it safer. If they can do it in South Korea, I think we can do it here. But we have to make sure we have the funding to do that. So we've asked for $4 billion around that, that amount. Uh, the House bill under Speaker Pelosi and Representative Clyburn's leadership, they put in uh, $3.6 billion. And so that's great because we already got 400 million out there. And so that's what we're working on in the Senate now. Now, you might think, well, Republicans won't go for any money for this. Well, one, they already did with the 400 million I pushed for in the Senate bill. But two, uh, they're getting scared of these voters. 80% in the swing states of the voters say they want to have options. 57% of Trump voters in a bunch of these states like North Carolina and Iowa they want to see the option. You saw what happened in Wisconsin. Right. People are standing in line in the rain in, in homemade masks and in garbage bags and then do a split screen on this. So you see those people, predominantly African-American precincts, standing in line. Then you look and you see Donald Trump in the luxury of Pennsylvania Avenue, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, who got to order his ballot from Palm Beach, Florida being able to vote in his slippers in the White House. I don't know if he had slippers, but that's what I imagine. So <laughs> right. that picture that, and by the way, that got to those voters in Wisconsin, including outside of Milwaukee and Madison in our base. And when you look at all Wisconsin, they, they voted by mail, the ones that could, because the rules were so bad. They voted by mail, and they voted for a Democratic-appointed judge, because they were so pissed off mm-hmm. that this these Republicans we're willing to not just play politics this time, play politics with their lives. Yeah. And so that's why I think you're starting to see, I am, because Republicans have come up to me, they're like, okay, we're willing to talk about money for the balloting. And a bunch of governors, Democrats, and Republicans led by Democrats across the country in states like Maryland, New Hampshire, are starting to say, we want to move to this. But we've got to make sure two things. One, the ballots get out to everyone. And two, the rules are as fair as can be. But two, that we also preserve regular voting in a in a safe way, yeah. because we know that there's some of people across the country that are still going to vote that way. So that's where we are right now. Despite what Donald Trump says, we are making movement on this in a big way. Thanks yeah. to Eric Holder and Stacey Abrams, by the way, and so many other leaders in this area. Yeah, well, that, that's good to hear. You've also sent a letter to the Bureau of Prisons. Um, Manafort mm-hmm. and, and Cohen get released in this pandemic. Uh, Andrea Circlebear passes away amongst, mm-hmm. as well as many others, in prison. Yeah, I sent a letter directly on this comparison because it's unbelievable. So the president's henchmen uh, that were convicted and received some long sentences, 84 months, right, for Manafort, 36 months for Cohen, they get out. Then you've got Andrea Circlebear, who is not a household name. She was a woman who was in for a nonviolent drug offense 
for a 26-month sentence. Why do I say the sentence? It's less than those two guys got, right? Mm -hmm. So she's in prison in Texas, and she's pregnant, and she gets the coronavirus. So they didn't let the pregnant woman out. She's there. She gets a coronavirus. She has to give birth on a ventilator and dies four weeks later. Well, those two guys get to go out in home confinement. So that's why I sent the letter saying, using this example, and then said, what kind of eligibility requirements do you have in place? What are you doing? You're not giving us, we're trying to get the demographic data, of course, on how the staff and the people in prison, but now we want to know what are the requirements for to get into these programs. Is it just people that are know the president? Is it just people who have committed white collar offenses? And then these other people have to stay in the prison. Um, and so we've called for compassionate release, a bunch of us, and there's a, some provisions in the House bill uh, that Pelosi just passed that we're gonna work really hard on to get in the Senate bill to get some fairness in the system. Cause that story I told you just now, yeah. that is not fair. No, That's no, not just. Not at all, not at all. And lastly, you and other senators are raising concerns about a, a deal between Uber and, and Grubhub, correct? Mm-hmm, yep. And I am actually the highest ranking Democrat on the antitrust uh, committee over in the Senate. And so this is not the only merger that we should be worried about. And you think, why in the middle of this pandemic are we worried about something like this? Mm -hmm. Well, if we eliminate all of competition, think about all the minority-owned small businesses that were hit so hard by this. And they've often gotten involved in some of these cases with me, by the way, because, say, when Comcast wants to merge, what does that mean for content on African-American stations? This is not a small thing if you don't have competition. And what's going on with Uber Grubhub is that you've got Uber that owns Uber Eats. And you have a very few companies in this space of food delivery. And Grubhub is one of the biggest ones. Um, and uh, then there's some other ones as well. Um, and the answer is like DoorDash, um, is that if these two companies merge, Uber, basically Uber Eats and Grubhub, then they, along with DoorDash, would have 90% of the market, just two companies. You know how on Monopoly, on the Monopoly board, there's four rail, railways, and that's Monopoly? This would only have two, which would have 90% of the market. And what does that mean? Well, it means higher cost for consumers. It means screwing around with restaurants, because you don't have enough competition to be able to, when we're living in this world now where we're gonna see more and more food delivery, because people have to be safe in their homes. And some people, even when they start opening stuff up, aren't gonna be able to go out, seniors and people with pre-existing conditions, they're gonna rely on these food delivery services if they don't make their own food and they wanna have maybe one, like going out once a week and they wanna order food in. They're gonna rely on this and it's gonna mean higher costs. So that's why I'm taking this on. This to me looks like, as my friend David Cicilline, a congressman said, this looks like pandemic profiteering. That's what mm -hmm. this is, because they know people are going to need these services in a pandemic. So they decided, oh, let's go combine and then we'll have a corner on the market. Yeah, yeah. No, that is that is important. And thank you for doing that as well. Well, mm -hmm. Senator, we always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you again. Glad uh, your husband's doing better. Glad the family is, is safe. Yeah. Um, uh, and you all now 
with the technology, you you all will be able to have more oversight and have more hearings remotely. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was. Good I, I led the way with that. Yeah, that was a, that is pretty exciting. Yes, because we now can do these Senate hearings, and uh, as you saw, there was that one with Fauci that he was in quarantine right. because of the White House getting coronavirus, a few people there, and so he was in quarantine, and they didn't have to cancel the hearing. And it allows members, some of the members, to do this from their offices or their homes as well. Because the House especially, you can't stop oversight. And uh, we're doing this right now in the Senate, and it's worked pretty well. Of course, I wish all of our hearings would be on pandemic instead of some of the stuff they're fooling around with, like Lindsey Graham saying he wants to have a hearing on Russia and Barack Obama, truly, yeah. on the uh, Obama administration. But it's still important to have government keep functioning and be able to do this remotely. There was a real bad one in foreign relations recently that just yet two days ago where they tried to, they did one only audio because I guess they were afraid of showing. Right. Oh, right. Bob Menendez's staff taped it on their own, own iPhone. And I said, are we going to use home movies now? But I, I think we'll stop that from happening again. So it all sounds, so some of this can sound like, why are we even talking about this when people are, but it's very important. I think you get this, that we do not let this administration take away the fundamentals of our government and our democracy. What does that mean? That we vote. What does that mean? That we have oversight. Um, while he tries to fire all these or did fire these inspector generals. What does that mean? that we have hearings, that we're not gonna let them bring us down no matter what. And so all of this matters to our very democracy because once you take the sunlight out of this and let this guy just do whatever he wants and stop fighting him, then you're basically conceding that he is our country and that's just not true. Yeah. The Senator from Minnesota, pleasure to have you. Okay, it's it was always, a lot of fun. And, of course, okay. and continue to be well. We'll talk again real oh, well. soon, all right? Thanks. All right. Thank thanks you. for getting me through that crowd in Selma. That was something. And it was my lasting memory of seeing John Lewis, even though he's battling yeah. illness, that I got to see him that day and, and, and give him a hug uh, is something I won't remember. Yeah. I won't forget from that day. That was amazing. So yeah, that, thank that, you. That, that, was, that was a meaningful day, indeed. indeed. Thank yeah. you, Senator. Okay. All thank right. Thank you. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.